He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Father, we want to thank you for today. Thank you for the day that we have set aside to remember the birth of your son whom you brought into this wicked world. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made and for the reason for this season. Father, this morning we humble ourselves under your mighty hand. Give us hearts to receive with meekness your engrafted word, which is able to save our souls. And Father, purge this lips of clay and let me speak the heart of a father. Without you, I can do nothing, but with you, I can do all things. Holy Spirit, thank you for your leadership and your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. Well, Merry Christmas to you all. And we thank God for his faithfulness throughout the year and for how far he has brought us. And to us, a child is born, and to us, a son is given. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, A blessed Christmas. A meaningful Christmas. A Christ-centered Christmas. Be your portion this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm very surprised to be standing here on Christmas Day. (laughs) And I want to thank my husband, the bishop. And whose covering I stand this morning for this opportunity. And I want to also salute all our beloved indefatigable bishops and pastors for all their hard work throughout the year and for you also for being faithful sometimes you are like this but it's all together amen god bless you this morning we are supposed to have a very brief service and so it's going to be so i want to speak to you about The Seven Mistakes of the Innkeeper. This is a sermon that is very dear to my heart and was preached so many years ago by my dear husband. (laughs) 
And Paul says in his writing that it is not grievous to repeat a matter. So I trust that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. Amen. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Verses 7 to 18. You shouldn't get tired when you come to church and we are reading verses. And say there are a lot of verses in it. The Bible is more powerful than any other book. Amen. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Emphasis, because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. Next verse. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Amen. The Bible says from the account we just read that Jesus was born in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, the inn had an innkeeper. And the innkeeper, when they got there, said, I'm sorry, the whole place is booked. You should have booked on booking.com in advance. You haven't booked, you haven't paid a deposit, so you've lost everything. And I'm sorry, you can't come there. Now, the first mistake of the innkeeper was that he was not impressed with ordinary looking things. I am sure that if Jesus had come in pomp and pageantry, he would have thought, oh, you know, sometimes people come to you and when they look important, you make a way for them. Sometimes you even get up and say, have my seat, because you feel that an important person has come. But this innkeeper was not impressed by Joseph and Mary. And many of us are like that in Christianity and in our work with God. We always expect great things to come in great ways. But many times that's not how God comes. When the angel went to the shepherd, he said, this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in rags. 
That was the sign. The sign was not a crown. The sign was not gold. The sign was not an air of importance. The sign was not what we would humanly want a king to look like. The sign was the rugs that the child would be wrapped in. So when the innkeeper saw an impressive Joseph, an impressive Mary, and an donkey, and they didn't come in the latest bands, and the, in Ghana, vehicles are a status symbol. As soon as the security man sees your car, he will open the door without asking you questions. But don't try going to the gate in an Okada or a bicycle. You will be stopped before you get anywhere because we are not impressed. And I believe that that was the mistake of the innkeeper. Many things God does do not seem great. Even the history of Lighthouse Chapel International bears credence to that fact. When Lighthouse started, it was in a corner in the School of Hygiene. I will be lying to you if I say I am not surprised at what God has done. And my husband tells me, you know, when I meet people, they say, you are doing very well. They don't know I'm also astonished. And I'm also watching the miracle. Because people said, tear that lighthouse down. It's in the corner of School of Hygiene, not even at the gate of Kolebu. Many people said to me, why your church is not on a main road? How can people find you? And how can people come there? But when God is doing something, he hides it in unseeming places. Amen. And so as Christians, we need to not have the standards of the world. There were people who used to say, I don't go to church in a classroom. And I don't go to a church which is older than me. But you go to a pharmacist who is older than you. You go to a doctor who is older than you. And as if that's not enough, you make a driver who is younger than you drive your car and drive you. But when it comes to church, then you put on a certain lens. And Christianity has become like pomp and show. And unless a man of God looks flashy, you cannot respect him. Or unless he looks flashy and he carries himself like a prime minister, you cannot receive the anointing. So he's too simple, every day batik, every day batik. But that is how God comes. And Jesus was not recognized. He was not recognized by the people on the road to Emmaus because he came in another form. Sometimes in our walk with God, we feel that he should come in only one form. God should come in a white cassock. A priest should be wearing a white cassock. When you see a priest during the carol service with a gun as an angel, you say, no, it can't be God. But we need to not be so structured in our walk with God, but to allow God to do what he has to do. I have often wondered why God put Jesus in a manger. And I was asking him once, I mean, you can put him anywhere, but a manger, can you imagine the infections from the feces of the cows and the, you know, it will not be the best. And there were no vaccinations in those days. And the Holy Spirit said to me, when Herod was looking for him, 
If I had brought him in pomp and pageantry, he could easily have been identified and he would have been destroyed. But I put him in the manger so that when the cows bray, the cry of the baby is hidden by the cries of the cow. God knows what he's doing. And we as Christians should recognize God's working. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26, the Bible says, Not many noble, not many great, not many powerful people are called by God. I remember when I was in uni, we used to go to action, and I knew some sisters, they go with a notebook to write down all the bullets in uh, Bishop Nick's preaching. Because he used to say, open your eyes, then they'll write, eyes, then they'll laugh, huh? Not the ISIS that shoots. But because they didn't think that God should come in that form. But you are not the one to choose. And the Bible says he, the, 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 the people of God are not our servants. They are God's servants. So you may think that you must choose somebody with more degrees than the thermometer. But God doesn't work that way. So may you not just walk by impression, but may you value what God values so that you don't miss your visitation. Amen. Pastor Ben, please give me a cue because I... The second mistake of the innkeeper was that he was not prepared to make any extra effort. He was not prepared to make any extra effort. Proverbs 26, 13 to 15. The slothful man saith, there's a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful man upon his bed. The slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom, and it grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. The innkeeper was not prepared to make any efforts. Amen? Because if you say, okay, come, I'll try and find a place for you, it's an effort. You have to now go into the house, look for whichever corner you can find, make some shifts here and there. He didn't, he didn't make any effort towards receiving Jesus. And many of us, we are effortless when it comes to the things of God. Your zeal only comes when you are sewing a new dress. Your zeal comes when you are looking for a new car. Your zeal comes when we only say receive. But when we say come, let us labor together. You say, oh, as for that, I'm not a pastor. But for other things, you are a pastor. You cannot walk with God effortlessly. There's nothing like that. You have to make an effort. In your work with God. What does the Bible say? It says that let us work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Your salvation is a, a gift. But after that, you have to make an effort. You have to make an effort to know God's word. Make an effort to spend time in his presence. Make an effort to come to church. Some of you are like this slothful man. You are like the hinges of a door. The door hinges, they never move. It just moves like this and like that, open and close. That is all. And the Bible says that the slothful man, even to bring his own hand to his mouth, is work for him. 
And many of us, we even call ourselves shepherds, but we are not prepared to put in any effort to nurture God's people, to love God's people, to bring people to Christ, to bring people to church. No effort. We just want to come. We don't want any effort. Those are the type of Christians we are having today. And because of that, the innkeeper missed his visitation. Because the Bible says, he who receives you, receives me. And he who receives you in the name of a prophet, receives a prophet's reward. There were many rewards the innkeeper could have gotten, but he didn't want to make any effort. Turn to the person next to you and say, in 2018, we are going to make an effort. The third mistake of the innkeeper was that he was not prepared to sacrifice. He was not prepared to sacrifice. Obviously, he, he had a room. He, the innkeeper, had a room. And sometimes when you get a guest and you really want the guest to come, you opt to sleep on the sofa so that you will make room for the guest. Sometimes you opt to sleep on the floor. Sometimes you go and sleep with the neighbor so that your guests can have a place. The innkeeper obviously had a place in the inn and could have sacrificed his comfort for the Messiah, but he wasn't prepared to do that. Let me ask you, child of God, since you came to know the Lord and to walk with him, have you had to make any sacrifices? And if you have not had to make sacrifices, then I question the God you are walking with. And I question the Christ you say you know. Amen? Because God will always ask you to sacrifice something. Sometimes you sacrifice your reputation. Amen? I remember thinking, Lord, I would like to serve you full time. But what I hate about it is that when I wear my red dress, they will say it's from the offering. And that, Lord, is quite difficult. And in my closet, I told God, you know, you are not the problem, it's the people. But God said to me, you have to die to self and to your reputation. And every time I thought about it, I'll be saying, you know, they'll say that it's the church which took me abroad. Meanwhile, my father has been taking me abroad. They'll say that the dress is from the church. Meanwhile, my father has been buying me nice clothes. And then in my closet, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, well, you may say it's the people, but let me tell you something. It is pride. Become of no repute. Sacrifice your so-called reputation. Become nothing. And allow me to make you what I think that you should be. Some of us are too full of ourselves, too full of who we are. These are the things... <clears throat> I hear from Christians. There's no sacrifice. There's no cross. There's no cross in your Christianity. And that is why you sleep with everybody. Because unlike demons, you don't cast out the flesh, you crucify. You crucify the flesh. You cast out demons and you crucify the flesh. But the church of God today does not crucify any flesh. You have never wept about the will of God. Jesus was the son of God. 
But when he got to go into the cross, he rebuked Peter, get thee behind me. He set his face. But when he got to the garden, what did he say? He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Because sacrifice is not always easy. But then he said, nevertheless. I always say, as a Christian, you don't have any nevertheless in your life. Everything is what you want. In 2018, if you're going to go far with God, there must be a cross. Not only on your neck, but in your life. There must be some sacrifice, which the innkeeper was not prepared to pay. Unless there's a brokenness, the ointment in the alabaster box cannot come out. Unless your life is broken, my life is broken, the anointing and the fragrance of the Holy Spirit cannot be released. You are serving God, you want to live as you live. You are serving God. You want your passions to, to rule you. You are serving God. You want your desires to rule you. It's not going to work. You have to take up your cross daily. You see, I thank God that Jesus is not like that, your old boyfriend who is always giving raps. God always tells us as it is. He said, look, if you are coming to follow me, count the cost because it's not easy. So if Christianity is easy for you, then I question your Christianity. And if you have never paid a price and even wept like Jesus and sweated drops of blood, then something is wrong. It means that there's no sacrifice in your life like this innkeeper. Amen. The fourth mistake or the fourth thing about the innkeeper was that his inn was full of other things. He said there's no room for you because the inn was full. It was full of other people, other nationalities, other things. Your life is so cluttered. It's too full. So there's no room for Jesus. When I come to your house and all your rooms are full, it's not likely that I'll have a place to lay my head. But when I come to your house and you're expecting me and you finish the place for me, then there will be a place for Jesus to lay his head. Our lives are full of ourselves. Our lives are full of our own struggles. The Bible says the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, they choke the word. The cares are not bad things, but they are things that fill your life and cancel Jesus out. Amen? In the coming year, let us search our lives. Bishop always tells this famous story about a man who went to war and after the Korean war he was released and he was so happy and he was wondering whether his wife Margaret was still alive and he made inquiries and found out that God had preserved Margaret and Margaret was still alive and when he came back home he was able to find the street on which they lived and it hadn't been bombed so he was so happy that he was going to give Margaret a surprise a pleasant surprise so he got to the door and he knocked, Margaret, I'm home, open. Margaret came, opened the door, saw her husband that she hadn't seen for many years, closed the door and went back in. He said, oh, Margaret, didn't you recognize me? She said, Chin Lu, I recognized you, but I'm coming. He kept knocking, Margaret wouldn't open. Eventually, when he forced his way in, guess why? there was another man in Margaret's house. You too 
there's another man, another idol, another thing, another thing that you prize more than God is in your life. So as Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he's knocking, you can't open because there's another man. In the same way with the innkeeper, he couldn't open because the inn was full of other things. The Bible says the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all those things are not of the Father. Amen. When we read Matthew 13, 22, it says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. If you are to serve God, we must empty ourselves of everything. We must empty our lives at everything so that Jesus can come in this Christmas morning. Amen. The fifth mistake of the innkeeper was that he didn't want to be disturbed. He didn't want to be disturbed. Beloved, if he had let Mary and Joseph into the inn, number one, Mary will be screaming because most women, when they are in labor, misbehave. Some of us may have been given the grace not to misbehave, but it is popularly said that we speak French instead of our mother tongue because we are in labor. Amen? What happened is when I was going to have my first child in Switzerland, I was so much in labor and I told my husband, I'm having great pain. It was like 1 a.m. So I think we should go to the hospital. And then he woke up and said, oh yeah, I'm sure the contractions have begun, but um, you are a primate, so it's going to take a long time. So he went out of the room and I was thinking that, oh, he's just getting his stuff together. Before I knew, I heard the shower. I'm like, what? What? The person is bathing. Hmm. So, he bathed. And then when he came, I wasn't impressed. And he said, but why have you made your face? I said, because why should you go and bath at such a crucial time? He said, because we'll be there till tomorrow afternoon. I'm a doctor and I know that. Well, I was in so much labor that usually I like to coordinate my colors. But on this night, I wore green, purple, yellow. It didn't matter. And when we got to the hospital, unlike Ghana, they didn't say, Mommy, climb this uh, stairs. Or, no, they came with a wheelchair and they got me and took me to the hospital. And as the contractions went on, I turned to the midwife and said, which means, is it painful? Is it? It's a question. Then my non-French speaking husband asked me, Mama, what did you say? I said, oh, I'm asking her whether it's painful. He said, hmm, then you are not in real labor because if you are in real labor, you won't speak French. You will be saying AJ or something. I was very angry, but because of the pain, it was worthless to respond. And since then, it's been preached in every lighthouse branch that when I'm in labor, I speak in French. 
So the innkeeper, that was just a bonus. The innkeeper does not want to be inconvenienced. Because my husband told me when he was delivering babies for his fifth year or sixth year, that the women would be shouting their husband's name, insulting them, and then shouting Pentecost Yehoway. And they will hold his hand. Then they will say, Bishop, eh, 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 doctor, doctor, when, when, when? And when the doctor says soon, then they'll say, how, how, how? So, to go and bring such a person to your inn will be a great disturbance to you and to your other guests. And as if that is not enough. Can you imagine the blood and the placenta and all the not so nice things that go with labor happening in your hotel? It will be a major disruption and a major disturbance. And because of that, the innkeeper did not want any disturbance. You cannot serve God without disturbance. You cannot serve God without some interruption. You cannot serve God without his input. Amen. Sometimes you're on your road going. I used to think that if you're a very peaceful person, bad things don't happen to you. That was what I thought. I said, oh, if you keep to yourself and you are peaceful, blessed are the peacemakers. You shall inherit the earth. Amen. Asomua, when you don't want even trouble, trouble comes to you. Why? Because you have chosen Christ. Your life will be disturbed. Amen. Your marriage will be disturbed. Your children will be disturbed. Your home will be disturbed. Your finances will be disturbed every month. Because you are a child of God. So many disturbances will come, but the disturbances are better than your quiet and your tranquility. Amen. So if the innkeeper had known, he would have allowed the king of glory in. Amen. Now, when you read Proverbs 14, 4, it says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean, but much increase is by the strength of the ox. It means that when you don't have oxen, cow, in your stall, it's always clean. Because they won't do things on it. We will hear, you know, do their own thing all over the place. But your stall will remain empty. But when you have a lot of cows, you will have a lot of things to clean. But it will still have a lot of prosperity and strength for you. That is the key. Amen, somebody. The sixth mistake, and I'm getting to the seventh and we close. The sixth mistake of the innkeeper was that he was too busy making money. He was too busy making money. He felt that these ordinary people, I can't find a place for them. They don't have any firepower. They are just some more broader people looking for a place. I don't think that going extra lengths for them will bring me anything. He was busy receiving other wealthy guests, busy making money, and therefore had no time for Jesus. We too are busy making money. Money is a real God. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And it's so true. The love of money is the root. 
every evil, when you go to the root, is the love of money. In politics, in business, in corruption, everything we are doing is the love of money. Sometimes you marry that man because of the love of money. One lady told me, I, I married him for his money. The next year after our marriage, he went bankrupt. Because I married because of money. The innkeeper was busy doing business and had no time for God. In the Kodesh, when we have programs, you don't come because you are busy making money. They will organize speakers, foreign speakers, pay their fare, their hotel, bring them and you. You are just at Awudome here. You can't come on. You are busy. There's no Sabbath in your life. Even today, oh shifufui. Oh shifufui, oh yajano. That's what you are doing. Mrs. Kwate, I am ringing your, your bell. It's a familiar. Amen. So, I have to go and buy cassava. I have to do this. I need uh, nane. I need this. I need that. I need... So, you are not in the house of God. Some of you are occasional visitors. It's Christmas Day. You have come. We are happy to have you, but that should not be your lifestyle. Amen. The Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy might, and with all thy mind. Everything you have, love God with it. And God is supposed to come first. Not your light soup that you are making, which is called United Nations. Because everything is in it. Amen. We should not be too busy. Anything that you are too busy about, that affects even your personal relationship with God. Apart from even being in the house of God, your personal relationship is the rock on which you stand. On Saturday, I was at the wedding of uh, Bishop Takiya Boy's son, first son, and Bishop Takiya Boy was chatting with me. He said that, do you know something? A lot of the people divorcing and behaving a certain way, most of them did not have a foundation of the word. They have a foundation of giftings, callings, but the word is not there. And that, that's what I have observed. There's no foundation. And you too, you are busy building sandcastles. Things that will not take you anywhere. Even to just read your Bible, because the Bible is light. That's why you don't have any light in your life. Everything is darkness. The only word you will have this season is today. After that, 31st. You will never listen to any word. You know, faith comes by hearing. Faith, it comes by hearing. As people are going to the malam, doing their juju, I always tell people, my juju is the blood of Jesus. My juju is the name of Jesus. My juju is the angelic host. My juju is the power of God. And I sit inside my room and I also perform my juju. Unbelievers don't think it's too much to travel to that top of the hill to see somebody for protection. 
They don't think it is too much to travel for somebody to tell them with a familiar spirit the things that are going to happen to them. But you, if you will just seek his face, he will speak to you. Because when God is your friend, he speaks to you. He will not do anything without revealing it to his friends. He said Abraham was God's friend. So when God was going to destroy Sodom, Abraham was not living in Sodom. But God shared his heart and his mind with him. God is waiting for you to come and spend time in his presence so that he can share his heart, his mind, the things you have to intercede about. He wants to share it with you. But you are too busy making money. And money has become your idol. But in 2018, may the Lord become first in our lives. Finally, the seventh mistake of the innkeeper, he had no eyes to see. He had no eyes to see. Amen. In First Chronicles 12, 32, the Bible says, And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200 and all their brethren. Amen. The Bible is saying of the sons of Issachar that they had an understanding of the times. How come you, this innkeeper, angels were appearing to shepherds and not to you? Angels were appearing to wise men and not to you. Could it be that you had a close spirit where the things of God were concerned. You have eyes, but you can't see. So nothing supernatural. In the same country, you know, the, the account we read said they were, in this, they were in the same country, shepherds, watching their flocks by night. The same town. How come the shepherds were located and you were not? The shepherds had an understanding of the times, and you did not. What did Paul pray? He prayed that the eye of our understanding may be enlightened. Ephesians 1.18 The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Most of us, we have eyes, but we don't have eyes of understanding understanding of God's call. What is the hope of his calling? What type of call does he have on your life in the first place? And what does he hope to achieve by calling you? And what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance as a child of God? You don't know. That's why people can call you and give you all sorts of prophecy and you are afraid because you don't know your inheritance. You don't know that the name of Jesus is your inheritance. You don't know that the word of God is a sword of the spirit which is your inheritance. The eyes of your understanding are totally closed. And it's a good prayer topic to pray. Every day you are praying for breakthrough, and lift you up, down, this. It's time to pray some spiritual prayer topics. Like the presiding bishop has been leading first love into very powerful prayers, biblically based. Amen. When Paul was praying for the Ephesian church, he says that the eye of your understanding may be enlightened. That's what the innkeeper did not have. Now, 
The sons of Issachar knew the times. Do we know the times? When you read your Bible, it's one of the ways to know the times. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times shall come, difficult times. Men shall be lovers of themselves. Men shall be covenant breakers. Men shall exchange the natural use of the woman for the natural use. So when you see these things happening in the news, if you are somebody whose eye of understanding is opening, you will know the spiritual timetable that we are heading to the coming of the Messiah. When Donald Trump announces that Jerusalem is the capital, you will know that for the coming of the Messiah, Jerusalem has to be restored. But you don't know, so you are just there. Like the innkeeper. Luke 2 verse 15. Luke 2 verse 15. In contrast to the innkeeper, and I'm ending, the Bible says when the angels left the shepherds, you see, the angels came, and the, one angel came with the message, and then a host of angels came. There was a whole choir singing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to us. All this, the innkeeper didn't experience even an iota of a choir in heaven is singing. And all the shepherds can hear, only you. You don't even know the spiritual temperature. And many Christians are backsliding because they don't know the spiritual temperature. They don't know that these are times that have been foretold. And therefore, the eyes of your understanding are not enlightened. But what did the shepherds do? In contrast to the innkeeper, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem. The angel did not tell them to go. But after the sign and the understanding of what was happening, they didn't sit where they were. They said to one another, Oh, beloved, your company is what makes you spiritually. Your company is what determines how far you will go. They said to one another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem. And do what? And see this thing which is to come, which the Lord has made known unto us. So God making known something to you is just one step. But they said, Let us follow on. To go and know. The, what, does, what does the scripture say? Let us follow on to know the Lord. But you, one experience with the Lord, you have sat there. When he reveals something, you say, Ah, I care for And who will we leave our sheep with? We can't. Oh. A lot of uh, inconvenience. But they were united. They said one to another, Let us go. And let us go and see this thing that has been known unto us. So when God makes something known to you, you follow through to know more and to have more depth. You don't just sit and revel in the revelation you have had. Next verse. The Bible says they went with haste. They went with haste. When God speaks, what's your reaction? Obedience is also time-related. If somebody is thirsty, you don't obey, give the person water now. And you say, oh, I'll give you in two days. You have obeyed, but the timing. So your obedience has become cost 90. They came with haste. What is your attitude when God speaks or shows you something? 
or tells you something? Is it with haste? Or it's with drudgery, you are just dragging your nail, your, your feet. When they say, come for a meeting, you are some way. Basel, we have to beg you. Shepherd's meeting, we have to beg you. You are busy with your school. You are busy with academia. You are not passing to. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Verse 17. And when they had seen it, I love these shepherds. When they had seen it, they made known abroad. When you've seen what God is doing, when you've seen what God is saying, when you've seen what God is about, do you make it known abroad? Christians don't witness anymore. We don't witness. And that is why our, our, I don't want to say religion. That is why our, our faith is being lost. Because we don't witness. When two Christians meet, they talk about your hair, where you got it from, your latest car, the budget, and everything else apart from Jesus. But these shepherds were not told, come in the afternoon for door to door. Come to the afternoon, there's a crusade at uh, uh, the park here, Kinafama Park. Come to, no. They themselves said, we can't keep this to ourselves. We've got to tell the whole world about it. How come you, since you met Jesus, we have never heard you speak about him before? And that's why you are struggling in your office. Because nobody knows you are a Christian. And you are not even a witness. But unlike this innkeeper who had no eyes, the shepherds who had, had eyes, these are the steps they followed. After the revelation, they spoke to each other and said, let us go. And when they were going, they went with haste. And when they went with haste and had seen the baby... They made this known abroad. Will you make Christ known? When you go to that supermarket, when you meet somebody at the gas station, will you make Christ known? And beloved, if you don't know how to make Christ known, you can always learn. Bishop does so many altar calls. You just have to listen and follow with your Bible and you will know how to lead people to Christ. This Christmas day, May the seven mistakes of the innkeeper not be our portion. But may it be a revival and a new beginning in our walk with God. Stand to your feet, please. Every eye closed and every head bowed. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh,
all the weather you have had. Ask God to rearrange things in your life. Ask God to give you a new beginning. And to us, the son is born. Thank God for his unspeakable gift. If you are here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your savior. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to follow on to know the Lord. I want you like the shepherds to make haste to come and give your life to Christ. Sometimes you've given your life to Christ before, but you want to say, Lady Reverend, I need a rededication. I need a new beginning. You are not sure whether you go to heaven or hell when you die. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to be sure. You are like that here this morning. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. Don't be impressed by men. Lift up your hands high above your shoulders. Wherever you are standing, from upstairs, from the back, let your hands go high up. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I need to be serious. I need to give my life to Jesus. Lift your hands high up so that I can see you. High up above your shoulder. Every eye closed and every head bowed. If you've lifted up your hands upstairs wherever you are, do one more thing. Come forward. Don't be impressed by men. Be impressed by God. Come. Come to Jesus. Come wherever you are seated. It's an important thing. We are waiting for you. Come. You came to church on Christmas Day. But this is the time to make it right with God. still come and mean it with your heart close your eyes little children I gave my life to Christ at the age of nine you can also come to know Jesus and say this prayer after me Heavenly Father this morning I come to you just as I am Jesus take my life and become the Lord and the master of my life forgive me for my sins and wash me in your precious blood thank you for coming to die on the cross thank you for rising from the dead so that I may have eternal life and thank you that on this Christmas day 2017 I invited you into my life. Amen. God bless you. Congratulations. Happy birthday. This is the time to serve God. Shall we pray? Father, 
thank you for sending your son Jesus for us. I pray that you deliver us from all the mistakes of the innkeeper. I pray that you deliver us from being unspiritual. Give us eyes of understanding to see. Open our hearts like you opened the heart of Lydia to receive your word. And Lord, this Christmas season and the days ahead, deliver us from evil, from tragedy, from bad news, from sudden disaster, from the attacks of the enemy, from arrows that fly by day, and pestilences that walk in darkness. May your covering of your blood and your mercy cover us and ours and help us to be more like Jesus. Thank you for your unspeakable gift, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.